And as you stand, I want you to reach for your Bible or the red copy in front of you, and I want us to turn to Psalm 92. Psalm 92, everyone remain standing. Today, and if the Lord tarries next Sunday morning, I'm going to be in a two-part series on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving that leads to thanks living. We believe that the Word of God is about practicing what we learn and putting it into our everyday life and living this thing called faith in a world that desperately is looking for answers. But Psalm 92 is what is referred to as a song for the Sabbath. Worshippers would come together and they would read this psalm or sing it out loud together, out loud together. So I want us to do that this morning. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. That's what will be on the screen. But I want us to read it out loud together. I'm going to get us started, and then I'm going to mute myself because I want to hear you as we open the Word of God and we come to Him this morning recognizing who He is and what He has done. Father, thank you for your word. Help us now to rightfully divide it in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 92, verse 1. If you're ready, say amen. Here we go. One, two, three. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. Keep going. You, Lord, are high forevermore. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. But my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with your fresh oil. My eye also has seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Let's read verse 15 again. And when we get to he is my rock, let's, let's really emphasize that with emotion. You ready? To declare that the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. May the Lord bless his word. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Commentators suggest that the author of this psalm could have possibly been a Levite who has returned from Babylonian captivity. You know, oftentimes in life, 
testimonies and stories that we have are really based on experience from things that have happened to us. And I just have a sense from reading this, especially if it would be a, a Levite who has now returned from captivity, I can't help but think and understand now that the resounding theme of Psalm 92 is one of gratitude, one of thanksgiving. You know, we're living in a day where it seems like the characteristic of thanksgiving and gratefulness has been overshadowed by a, a life or a call for self entitlement. How many of you had grandparents or parents, and when you think of their, and when you recall their lives, you think of somebody who hardworking, showed up every day, and oftentimes didn't hear anybody complain about it. You remember that? My dad worked second shift. He worked in a factory called McCall's. Dayton Press, and uh, packed his lunchbox every day. I can still remember looking at this silver lunchbox with a dome lid that you put your thermos up in the top. Cody, a thermos is something that people put in a lunchbox. <laughs> and, uh, and, and since he was, second, since he was a second shifter, like many of you may have been second shifters, um, the big meal that we would have at our house was lunch. My mom would fix a dinner at, at 1 o'clock. And I can remember my dad sitting there, and uh, he had these Mason work shoes. If anybody's with me so far, if you're tracking with me, say amen. amen. And he'd, he'd, he'd bend over and lace them up. I can remember sitting in what chair he sat in. And uh, Jim Price would pull in the driveway, and Dad would ride with Jim but he would always take his lunchbox with him. And you know what I remember about my dad? Listen carefully. What I loved about second shift is about 10 till 11, I could expect him coming in the door. And there was just something about my father being present that gave me a sense of security as a boy. Brothers and sisters, when I think about the importance of a relationship with an earthly father, boy, how much more important is our relationship with a heavenly father? You might be here today and say, Brother Greg, I wish I had a story about my dad like that, or my dad was no good. Well, I want to tell you something. Uh, there is a heavenly father whom we're worshiping today that's all good. And he has what we need, and, and, and he knows how to pick up the broken pieces and and when you think about entitlement, uh, the generation before us, I mean, I'm a baby boomer. Baby boomers were like post-war, World War II, 1945, I think to 64. So I'm on the tail end of that baby boom. And, uh, and our generation, uh, I think, was, is start, was starting to slide into it. But we really are in a, in a world, in a culture, which seems like uh, we think that, that we're owed something. And I'm telling you, when you think about your walk with Christ and you think about the, the cross of Jesus Christ, let me tell you something. We are the ones who are indebted because of his great love for us. I want to ask you the question today. Would people describe you as a grateful person? Would people describe you as a grateful person? Now, I've mentioned uh, like today's generation, but not all generation, not all young people are, 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 are thankless. Amen. 
I'm grateful for the young people that were on this stage this morning uh, singing those old songs uh, like Gracie, Daniel, and Brad. Not to say Marilyn, Marcia, and Tim are old. But let me tell you something. Oftentimes, we put everybody in the same basket. And I wanna, I wanna tell you what, a, what an absolute responsibility that means for you and me as a Christian. When people seek Christ, do they seek Christ in you? And is it a faithful message? And is it a picture of gratitude? I mean, when God rescues us, when he delivers us, when he heals us, when he provides for us, uh, it should be ground for praise and thanksgiving. And that thanksgiving should not be just for maybe a week at the end of November. It should be for a lifetime. Now, I want you to write this down somewhere. You ready? And I want you to write these words. Nobody can worship better for me. Okay, let's repeat that together. Nobody can worship better for me. Say it again. Nobody can, okay, than me. I can't make you. I can't make you be grateful. I can't make my adult children be grateful. That's a decision they have to choose. And when you think about worship, listen to me, folks. Nobody can worship for you. It's a decision you have to make. It's a post you have to show up for. It's a decision that's made before you, long before you get here where you recognize that we have the great privilege this morning to say thank you to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords for everything he's done in our life. And when you look at the beginning of Psalm 92, the psalmist says, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. If you wanna do something good in your life, you thank the Lord for what he's done for you. Now, um, go, go on a little journey here with me. Let's, let's just say, I want you to picture this. I want, just say this is my bed that, that I got out of this morning. Okay, and I'm, I'm waking up. I swing my feet over, and I want you to picture flannel pajamas, and I want you to picture uh, hair going everywhere, just getting ready. The Bible says it is good to give thanks. And what you're going to find out in Psalm 92 is the Bible reminds us that we should do it early and that we should do it late. Meaning we begin our day with gratitude, thanking the Lord for what he's done. Lord, thank you for waking me up. Did anybody thank the Lord for heat this morning? I'm not sure where it is right now, but I'm thanking the Lord for it. Did anybody thank the Lord for hot water this morning? You see, what we do is we miss it when it's gone. But the life of a Christian should be marked with thanksgiving, meaning that we thank the Lord while it's here. While it's here. And we never get over it. We never get over it. I remember as a 14-year-old boy, when I got saved, Ronnie Williams said to me as he shook my hand, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make. I'm telling you, folks, there is something contagious about enthusiasm and gratitude in the life of a believer. And should we not, Christian, should we not be the most grateful people in the world? 
that's not always the case. Life is too short for that, amen? Life is too short for that. And the good news is, when we recognize what Christ has done, when we recognize him in his life as our Lord and Savior, that should be something that just permeates itself from the inside out. It comes out. A heart of gratitude. So the Bible says if you want to do something good, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. And the Bible says, and to sing praise and to sing and to sing praises. Don't look now, but I think I just choked myself. And to sing praises to him. Now, when you look at verses two and three and how it works its way down, he says, declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. If you're here and you're married and you're still blessed enough to have your spouse with you, what a blessing to hear out of their voice in the morning or in the evening. I thank God for you. Hey, parents with kids, if you're blessed to have children, what a blessing. What a blessing uh, to, to hear a parent's voice pray over you, thanking God for you. I mean, when God rescues us, when he delivers us, when he heals us, how can we not live a life of gratitude? So in the midst of this song, he says, sing the goodness of God. Declare the goodness of God. Be faithful in the morning and in the evening. And then he says, on an instrument of 10 strings and on the lute and on the harp and, and with harmonious sound. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Uh, let's, par- let's just translate. Whatever you have, use it to praise the Lord. Do y'all remember Stanley Call? Stanley Call, what did he play? Harmonica. Do you know a, a, a slang term for the harmonica is harp? And that's what Stanley called them, harps. Let me go get my harps. And he would go get his tackle box, a fishing tackle box. And he would open it up, and it was full of harmonicas. And, uh, and I had the privilege to play with him at the nursing home, and we called ourselves the Stanley Call Band. Which, the more I think of that, that's a great name for a band. The Stanley Call Band. And uh, Stanley, the older he got, he could play anything. But the older he got, he began to play, and I would play guitar with him, and it seemed like we were in a, a, a place where every hymn we sang was starting to sound like the same melody. Are you with me? Like, uh, let, me, let me think of one. Uh, I come to the garden alone. Are you with me? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm lost at this point. I'm trying to do Amazing Grace tune. Can you do it? Are, are you, are you, it's it's kind of hard, isn't it? Well, you got to try playing guitar with that when that, when that happens. Uh, but what did Stanley do? He used his harp as a way to praise the Lord. You have something you can do. Oh, I can't play any musical instrument. I didn't ask you if you played any musical instrument. I'm telling you, you've got something you can do for the glory of God. And the Bible says a good thing, hey, if you're looking for uh, solutions, a good thing would be to be gracious. It would be to thank the Lord. Now, he says, begin each day and end each day with it. 
and be reminded that the God of heaven is still on the throne. Now, the Bible says this God, Psalm 65, 6, is the one who established the mountains by his strength. The Bible says in Psalm 104 that this God is the one who is clothed and honored in majesty, and the world that he created is fixed. The Bible says in Psalm 24, he founded it upon the seas and he established it upon the waters. Psalm 78, 69, and he built his sanctuary like the heights, like the earth which he established forever. And then he says in Psalm 119, verse 90, your faithfulness endures to all generations. You established the earth and its abide. And folks, with all of the uncertainty in the world in which we live, the word of God still stands. It still stands. No matter how stormy the nations on earth get, the throne of heaven is safe and secure. And I say that this morning to help us recognize that a decision that was made in Washington, D.C. this week in regards to respect of marriage is anything but respect of marriage. The Bible clearly defines in Genesis chapter 2 what a marriage should look like. Now, folks, that is not to say we don't love people. Amen? That's not to say we don't love people. If we act like we don't love people, if we live lives that are not loving, that's not Christ-like. But it does not mean that we have to agree with anti-God decisions that are made. Man, I'm telling you, we're living in a world that is confused. It's confused. And I want all of you to look at me this morning. God made you special just the way you are. God made you special just the way you are. God loves you. He loves you more than anything. And the cross says it louder than anything. That the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We're all sinners. We're all separated from God. And the good news is that he died on it knowing me and knowing my life. He died on it for me. That's the good news and that's the great works to be reminded of how thankful we should be to God. You may not play a harmonica, but God can use you for his glory if you're willing to let him have what you have. Now, some he gives talents and gifts uh, that he may not give others, but I want to assure you something. Listen to me carefully, especially if you think you're talented this morning. God did not give that to you to showcase your ability. God gave that to you to point people to the one whom gave it to. Let him have whatever you have. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Um, you know, I, I, I grew up in a home where when I came in the side door, I had to take my shoes off. Are you with me? I had to take my shoes off. Boy, boy, mom was right on me. And I've noticed it when I go to Stacy's house. Her boys get to the side door. They're taking them shoes off. Not long ago, we went, and I went in the same door with the boys, and I thought, well, I'm, I'm her dad. I, I, and and I, I kind of over, I didn't think of what I was doing, and she goes, Dad? I go, yes, Stace. Dad? Notice anything different? What, what she, she was telling me is, listen, if it's good for them, it's good for you. Let me tell you, folks, the lost world is wondering if the gospel is consistent in people's lives? Is, or is it some different message for, for whoever believes it? You see, Jesus gives us something to give back to him. Um, we, we often 
put giving in the basket with tithing, don't we? Some of you probably sitting here thinking, I, we can't afford to tithe, we can't afford to give. Our response, uh, our response to that, Renee and I, in our lives is, we can live better on 90% giving God his 10 than we can live on 100 trying to manage it ourselves. You say, well, I don't believe that, I don't buy into that. Well, let, the Bible says in Malachi 3, why don't you just give God an opportunity and see if you don't come through? Why don't you give him a chance, Okay. You see, you'll realize that you're not gonna be a thankful person if you think you control everything, you own everything. But yet, here we are at Thanksgiving. Uh, recently, I heard somebody say, Christmas is all about giving and receiving. Thanksgiving is just about being with family and friends. Makes it a lot simpler. Makes it a lot simpler. And when we come together, with the heart of thanksgiving, we don't wanna keep it, we don't, wanna, we don't wanna sit on it, we want to share it. This Thursday, we'll have the privilege once again as a church to share a Thanksgiving Day meal with folks. And our goal is that folks would not be alone. And if someone is wondering what they're gonna do, they've got a place to come. They've got a place to come. The calls have been kind of slow this, up to this point, but I did check the answering machine in between church during Sunday school, and there were six messages on it of people wanting to sign up for the Thanksgiving Day meal. So they're coming. They're coming. You see, when you look at uh, being a grateful person, a lot of times we're not grateful because we've got our focus on the wrong thing. We've got our focus on the wrong thing. Don't focus on the world. Don't focus on the threats of the world and all the un. Uh, the unknown in the world, focus on the creator, focus on the throne, the one who's in charge of everything. And that'll allow you to lay your head down at night and sleep in peace, knowing that he's in control. You see, when it comes to thanksgiving and living it, God wants us to use whatever we have. Henry Ward Beecher wrote these words, if one were to give me a dish of sand and tell me that there were particles of iron in it, I might look for them with my eyes and, and with my clumsy fingers uh, work that sand only to find nothing. I'd be unable to detect it. But let me take a magnet and sweep through that sand and it will draw to itself almost invisible particles. And he says, the unthankful heart is like my finger in the sand. It discovers no blessings. But the thankful heart is through life, it's like a magnet. It finds the iron, so it will find in every day something to thank God for. And you've gotta be, you've gotta just wake up and say, okay, God, here I am. Thank you for another day of life. May my thanksgiving be transferred to thanksgiving, and it becomes part of who I am. Look at verses um, five and six. Oh, Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. A senseless man does not know, nor does a fool understand this. How great are your works. How great are your ways. How will a senseless man know, Lord? How will a senseless man ever hear? And I want to tell you this morning, I'm looking at how folks that don't know Christ will hear. God uses people. He uses you. He uses his word. He uses uh, the Holy Spirit to convict. He uses circumstances in life to get your attention. 
Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, how then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Brothers and sisters, God uses you. He wants to use you. And I want to give you an assignment between now and Thursday. And I don't want you to take this lightly. And if you're not going to be all in, I don't, I don't want you saying, yes, I'll do it. But I want to challenge our church family between now and Thursday to share with somebody why you're grateful for what God has accomplished in your life. Uh, you say, well, Brother Greg, give me an example. Well, I want to tell you, I was a church kid. I went to church, but I recognized that religion was not the answer, that I needed a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, I didn't set out to be your pastor. I mean, 31 years ago, Camden, Ohio was nothing more than 45311 to me at the post office. God has a plan for all of our lives. And, 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 and what you've got to be willing is to, first of all, give him your life, surrender to him, and secondly, let God use you for his glory. Let him use you for his glory. Now, when you look at verse 7, you might get the feeling that the enemy's winning. When the wicked spring up like grass, and when all the workers of iniquity flourish, it is that they may be destroyed forever. I mean, there are times in life when you feel like you can't get ahead. And, and why does the enemy appear to be winning? And why does the enemy appear to be getting the upper hand? And then the Bible reminds us that God has a plan. That God has a plan. You see, a grateful life, if, if you want to jot down a few things, this is it. A grateful life, first of all, is an anointed life. It's an anointed life. A life that's been changed by the power of God. God. Verse 10, but my horn you have exalted like the wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. If you're here this morning and you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, say amen. You see, that's where you begin in sharing something you're grateful for. You recognize what God has done. You recognize what God has done. But a grateful life is just not anointed. It's also aware. Look at verse 11. My eyes also have seen my desire on my enemies. My ears hear my desire on the wicked who rise up against me. A grateful life is one that is aware of the blessings of God. One that's aware of the power of God. And when you think about a life that's been anointed and a life that's aware of God's blessings, you can be assured of some things. Look at verses 12 and 13. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. Everybody say amen. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. This is one of the best building materials available at that time. Rich. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. That's the good news of a life that's been anointed, a life that's aware of what God has accomplished, and a life that's been assured that God is in control, even when things seem out of your control. Um. The Jason Lovins Band, as many of you heard last Saturday night, they did a tremendous job at the state convention this week. I mean, they were outstanding. 
And if you recall, when they introduced the group, uh, Eli Fortner, the guitar player, whose grandparents were the McCamies, his mom sang with the McCamies, and uh, one of the McCamies songs is, What's Over My Head is Under His Feet, that he's the one in charge. That he's the one in charge. Did anybody see the news of the snowfall uh, up east? Holy Toledo. Man alive. A guy opened his garage door, and there were five feet of snow in front of his garage. What would you do? What would you do? Put the garage door down and go back in the house. Folks, let me tell you something. A grateful life is something that we should ask God to help us with. Help me to add when I walk into a room. Help me to be the one that's not always, always critical about everybody else. Help me to be thankful for what God has given me. What do you mean, Brother Greg? Uh, the house he's given me, the car he's given me, the things God has blessed my life with. Quit chasing what everybody else has. Renee and I, when we were young married, um, we probably had one of the smaller houses and all of our friends and all that kind of thing. But man, we are happy as larks. And we still are. We still are. I think churches sometimes compare themselves. If you're in that rut of comparing us to your favorite church 30 or 40 years ago, I'm sorry, we will never measure up. But there is a God who wants to do a fresh work in our lives, in your life, in my life. And when you look at the end of this chapter, I love verse 14. You ready? They shall still bear fruit in old age. Are you old? If you're answering that question, yes. You may not be, but you must feel it. Are you with me? I mean, I can, I can point out some old people in this crowd if you want me to. You ready? A grateful life, first of all, is ageless. Ageless. Don't grow old and get so critical nobody wants to be around you. Don't grow old and get so cynical that you discourage people that want to be close to you. A grateful life is ageless. The Bible says this life will bear fruit in old age. I love that. But also a grateful life is active. It stays active. Uh, look at this passage. The righteous, verse 12, the righteous shall flourish as a palm tree. Uh, look at 14. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Who? Those that bear fruit in an old age. A grateful life is an active life. It's a flourishing life. And then a grateful life announces to those in, in their circle the goodness of God. And according to Psalm 91, if you want to do a good thing, give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. So what's the message? There's nobody like Jesus. What's the message? There's no righteous except Christ. My righteousness is in Christ and in Christ alone. And the good news is when you look for something to praise the Lord about, you're going to find something. It's going to be there. Curtis Hudson, an old-time preacher, wrote these words. A man invited a friend to go hear a preacher saying, 
I want you to hear the most thankful preacher I've ever heard. So the two men weathered this storm to get to church to hear him preach, and on the way, they began to think, and one said, there's nobody gonna be there. I bet the preacher doesn't even show. But they got to this little country church. When they walked in, there was the preacher sitting on the stage in his chair. The stranger said to his friend, well, there's nobody here to preach to. There's a storm outside. It looks like it's going to flood. He won't have anything to be thankful for tonight. And the other fellow said, oh, I bet you he will. He'll thank God for something. He stood up, led in prayer, and said, Dear Lord, it's stormy outside. It looks as if all the roads will wash away before we even get out of church. It's an awful storm. And then he said, But we're thankful it's not always this way. You might be here today, and you are in the pit of despair. Aren't you glad that it's not always gonna be this way? You might be here today and there's uncertainty in your life about some decisions you need to make. Aren't you glad it's not always gonna be this way? And brothers and sisters, what God wants out of us this Thanksgiving is a heart of thanks and a heart of gratitude. I would probably say that some of you have never shared your faith with anybody. You've got your reasons. They say public speaking is the number one phobia, Cody, for everybody. Number one, public speaking. I'm not asking you to preach. God's not asking you to stand in front of a congregation. He's just asking for you to be grateful. And when you're thankful for something, the most simplest act of love can just simply be sharing it. You can be sharing it. I want you to bow your heads. I've given you an assignment for next week before Thursday to share with somebody why you're grateful.